Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our service this morning. I pray that you're doing well wherever you're at. And as I begin this morning, I'm reminded as I begin to share that some of you that may be watching may not know who I am. Well, my name is Raymond Chavez, and I attend here at Calvary Cornerstone, and I'm filling in for Pastor Joe this morning. Pastor Joe will be back next week, um, so he is doing fine and is looking forward to, to seeing and coming back again. I pray that God this morning would touch your lives wherever you're at. I know for many of us it's been a very difficult time with all the circumstances that are taking place in the world today, but there's hope. There's hope in Christ. There's hope in God. And this morning I hope to share some of that hope through the Word of God as you're watching this morning, I pray that if you have not come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you will. And as we share these things this morning, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the service this morning if you want to make that decision for Christ. But as we begin this morning, I encourage you to <clears throat> listen and be open to what God has to share with you this morning. As many times I've shared before, as I share, I get blessed and I get taught as God teaches me and prepares me to speak with you, I get blessed so much, and I learn so much as I study God's Word. So this morning, if you're watching for the first time, welcome. This morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. So if you would turn to, with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. As a sort of introduction to the study this morning, I would like to say that the year 2020 certainly has been unique in the events that have taken place and impacted our society. I'm sure you would agree the pandemic, the <clears throat> social unrest, the fires that we're going through right now, the changes in the economy, the loss of jobs, different things have really impacted our lives in this year, and as they've impacted our lives, so much so has impacted the way we live. This has really caused a lot of feelings of anxiety, fear, frustration. And God speaks about these things through many of his apostles and many of the books in the Bible. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the book of Philippians and specifically where the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Philippi and try to encourage them in the midst of all their troubles and all their concerns and reassure them that they have great standing in Christ. So we're going to look at the book of Philippians, specifically chapter 4 this morning. And this book of Philippians is a letter from Paul to all of the brethren at the church in Philippi. And he is really trying to encourage all the brothers and sisters in this church. And many times the book of Philippians is called the book of joy and encouragement in the midst of adverse circumstances. I can't think of a better time to speak in terms of the book of Philippians and this time in which we're in, a time of what? Adverse circumstances. The book of Philippians has some really key verses, and I'm sure many of you have recited these verses over the years, and they've been really impressed upon our hearts in terms of what we think, in terms of our standing in Christ. 
And let me just mention that some of those key verses as we look at the book of Philippians. The central theme, again, is the importance of Christ in our lives. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, we read, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 3, 8, we read, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And lastly, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This central theme, living for Christ, having the mind of Christ, and most importantly, counting all things as rubbish, the most important thing is knowing Christ or having Christ in my life. And then lastly, having that strength, knowing that we have the strength in Christ. So as we look at chapter 4, Paul shares some key things in terms of getting that peace and contentment in Christ. And I'm going to start with chapter 4, verse 4, as Paul begins to talk about this peace with the Lord. And verses 4 and 5, let me begin. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In this passage be feared talking about the peace of the Lord. Paul says, again, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. This is what we should be doing in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of all the trials and tribulations that we're going through. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, let your gentleness be known to all men. What kind of witness are we being today? As we go through the different things that we're going through in life, what do people see when they look at our lives? Is Christ the center of our lives? Do we count all things a loss? Are we content? Are we really um, with the mind of Christ? So Paul encourages, let that gentleness be known to all men, the way we live our lives, the way we interact with each other. And then he says, the Lord is at hand. Remember, in the first century church, Many felt the Lord was coming back at any time. And anything that you see in these epistles, it always speaks about how God, the Lord, is at hand. Let's go on to verse 6. Verse 6. This is a verse that's often quoted very many times when we talk about prayer and putting our trust in God. Verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. A very powerful verse that really addresses when we're anxious, when we're worried, when we're concerned. Many times we get caught up in this worry and concern. But what does Paul say? But in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. There isn't a more powerful exhortation for the importance of prayer than what Paul's saying here. With everything, every single thing in your life, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We can't overemphasize the importance of prayer in our lives. It should be daily. It should be thoughtful. It should be honest. It should be telling God everything in our lives Everything that is going on, everything that is bothering us, every need that we have, 
But we should keep it in mind with thanksgiving. We remember what God has done in our lives, how he's changed our lives. And we need to thank him ahead of time because we what? We know he is going to meet our needs. He is going to address our concerns. So we let our requests be known to God. And we do that. And then we say, let's not worry. Let's not worry. But let's just be confident in our prayer that God will address. You know, when you look in the Greek and you look at the word anxious, the word anxious means to be pulled apart in different directions. That's the way we feel sometimes, don't we? We're being pulled apart in different directions. Sometimes the word worry is substitute for anxious. And worry really comes from an old English word, which means to strangle. So many of us can attest to that strangling feeling many times for the circumstances that are going on and around our lives. We feel strangled. We feel too much is going on. But what can we do? We can take everything to God in prayer. We can take our supplications, which are requests to God, and we can know and have confidence that God's going to be addressing those things that we are praying to him. So when we talk about worry, we also look to the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And we ask and we look and we see what has Jesus said about worry. And I really like this passage in the book of Matthew, just for a moment. If we could go to the book of Matthew in chapter 6. Jesus addresses the whole idea of worrying and when he was talking on the Sermon of the Mount. And then you look in Matthew chapter 6, there is a passage in verses 25 through 34 where God really, through Jesus, addresses the whole idea of worrying and what worry, what it should be and what it is in our lives. And starting with verse 25, after Jesus is addressed about laying up treasures in heaven, not on earth, and not serving two masters, he goes into specifically about worry and what that is or what that should be or how it not should be in our lives. Let me read from verses 25 through 34. And it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He goes on to say, Which of you by worrying could add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Jesus encourages us here through this passage not to worry, not to worry, because what? 
We are more important than even the lilies and the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. If he is so concerned about those, we'll only also be more concerned about our own lives and what is going on in our lives. So if Jesus and God cares for us more than birds and the flowers, can we not be confident that he'll take care of us? And, and he exhorts us not to worry about tomorrow. I like this saying I read once, Worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Don't let your peace be taken away by worrying about tomorrow. So how can we eliminate worry from our lives? Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. Two things that cause us to worry, the heart and the mind, are things that we need to guard. We need to guard our hearts and we need to guard our minds. It really involves what the commentary, commentator Warren Worsby said, right praying, right thinking, and right living. So let's begin with right praying. What does it mean when it means right praying? Well, there's some thoughts about praying, and Paul emphasized praying, that pray in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen through 18. He says, Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, Paul is reaffirming and restating, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, and to pray without ceasing. But as we pray, what do we pray about? How do we pray? With what attitude do we come in our prayer? And many times as we look at prayer, we need to keep in mind three things. Three things I think that are important as we pray. We, remember, we need to remember who we're praying to, the God of the universe, the God creator of all things. He requires not only recognizing who he is, but respecting his greatness, his majesty. So we need to pray with adoration, adoration for God and who he is. Secondly, we need to pray with honesty and supplication. Remember we said and all supplication. And what does supplication mean? Supplication means praying and asking God to address our concerns, our needs, whatever is really going on with our lives. Pray about everything. Pray about your hurts. Pray about your desires. Pray about your concerns. Take everything to God. This is what he wants. And then lastly, we need to make sure that we thank God for all he does. We need to thank God because what? We have confidence that he's going to what? Meet our needs. He's going to address our concerns. And he's going to make what? The storms calm because that's what he does. But we need to trust him and we have to keep these things in mind. I shared this acronym before with you and I'll share it again. And many of you have heard it many times. I think of the acronym and the word ACTS. A-C-T-S. A for adoration, giving God our adoration when we pray. C for confessing, confessing our sins. Remember, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And T for thanksgiving, thanking God for all that he does and all he provides. And S for supplication, again, making our requests be known to God. So Paul, as we continue here in chapter 4, going on to verse 7 continues after we have with in everything with prayer and supplication let our requests be known to God what does he say in verse 7 and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus 
This is what we seek after. This peace that only Jesus can give, right? After we pray, we need to have this peace. God will give us this peace as we trust in him. As we read Jesus many times, and you look in the Gospel of John, and John chapter 14, 27, what did Jesus say? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Again, also in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can have this peace in Jesus when we trust in him. When we trust in him. That is the only way to have peace. I know the world looks for peace in different ways. You think they can achieve peace through human means. But peace can only come in through by trusting God and putting our trust in Him and being, what, confident that He is going to do the work and He's going to change our lives. I know that many times we say, how can I get a peace on this? And I think it's simple. We need to pray to God and trust in Him and let Him do the work. So many times we're trying to do the work and we need to just trust God to do the work. Pray about it. And then leave it to God. God will do the work. So as we pray, we also need to be concerned that as we pray, that we have the right thinking. We can pray about things, but oftentimes we come away and we say we still think in our mind about the problems, the issues, the things that we have. But remember, how we think is how we act. So if you have the wrong thinking, you'll have the wrong feeling. And before long your heart and mind will be pulled apart and you'll be back in the same place you were, worrying, anxious about things. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. He trusts in you. Whose mind is stayed on you. Remember, we need to realize our thoughts are very powerful. They're real And sometimes you can't see them, you can't weigh them, they're not something tangible, but you know they're in your mind. But what does it say? Your mind needs to be stayed on what? The Lord. So if our mind is stayed on our problems, if our mind is stayed on the problem people in our lives and the events around us, we really can't achieve this perfect peace. What better time right now than to achieve and keep our mind on what? On Christ. And to achieve that perfect peace. Look at all the things that are going around in the world today. Look at all, even our, our this past week, our air, our quality, the different things that take place. It can be very worrisome. It can be very anxious, especially if we are health problems. And if we have different people in different places that are either dealing with these situations, the firefighters or the police officers. We can be worried, but what do we need? We need to do put our mind on Christ, right? We need to capture our thoughts. I like of Paul in Second Corinthians ten five, he said, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. This is what we have to do. And remember, as Paul said, 
earlier in the chapters in Philippians, and he also encouraged when he talked to the church at Corinthian, 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the Christ living in us. So we need to, what, turn to Christ, and we have to have that confidence that he is hearing and listening to us. Remember Jesus at the end when he said not to worry, but what did he also say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added to him. So we need to keep that mindset of what? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I asked the question this morning, what is your mind focused on this morning? As you're listening, as you're reading the word this morning, remember your mind really can guide where your actions go. If your mind is set on something, that's where your actions are going to be, and that's what your behavior is going to be. I like the concept of sowing and reaping. Remember, Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 7. For whatever, for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. This can be applied also to how our thoughts impact our actions. I like this poem that I read once, and I'm reminded of it each time I think about sowing and reaping. When you sow a thought, you reap an action. When you sow an action, you reap a habit. When you sow a habit, you reap a character. And when you reap a character or sow a character, you reap a destiny. In times of crisis, as we are in time, character is not developed. It's revealed. Our character is really revealed during these times of crisis. How we turn to God during these times is what is important. So going on in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul instructs us now, what should we do in terms of right living? What should we meditate? What things should we be concerned about? What things should we, you know, should occupy our mind? He says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I'd ask you this morning, and I ask myself the same question. What things are we meditating on this morning? Think about the things that we see, the things that we do, the things that we watch. Are they true? Are they noble? Are they just? The things that we talk about, the way we think of others, the way that we treat others. Are they just? Are they lovely? Is it of good report? And also morally, are they morally true? Are they morally right? And we have our guide in the Bible. God, Jesus teaches about what is morally right and wrong. I always thought it would be interesting if we looked at our lives and we kind of did a rating and we put these things what are things are true and noble? And we put the things we did on a daily basis. Would they fit in those categories? True, noble, of good report. Those are the things that we need to keep in mind. So if we need to guard our hearts and minds, and it's so important, what do you think Satan's going to attack? He's going to attack what? Our minds. And he's going to try to get us focused on other things. He's going to try to get us focused on their problems. He's going to get his focus on things that are not of good report or of not good virtue. So we need to really guard our mind. 
We read throughout the Bible in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever we think, that's what we're going to be. But how can we address that? By reading God's word. Really, God's word helps our hearts and our minds. And it's really important. Daily reading and studying is essential. I thought about this once when I was still employed. I'm retired now. But as I watched everyone bring their smart cars or their hybrids or their electric cars, they were so concerned about plugging them in. And I recall as each person throughout the day would go out, okay, um, I'm unplugged, you know, can you plug in now? Everybody was really concerned about plugging in. And I once asked one of my staff members, I go, what will happen if you don't get plugged in here for the rest of the day? He said, well, I won't make it home, Ray, because I don't have enough power to get home. I don't have enough power to get home. They were so concerned throughout the day, they would watch when somebody would unplug and another would plug in. And I thought about it. I go, we should be the same way about prayer and about reading the Word. If we don't plug in, how are we going to get home? How are we going to get anywhere? Just as they were concerned so much about the physical thing and the mechanical thing, we need to be so concerned about our lives being plugged in each morning because what? We cannot get throughout the day unless we're plugged in to God's Word and through prayer in tune with God. So reading of God's Word is so important. We know, we've heard so many times as we're taught throughout the Psalms, David, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 97. All throughout Psalm 119, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's get plugged into the Word. Let's make sure that we have this lamp unto our feet and our light into our path each day. And we know that that Word in the prayer is going to change and transform our lives. What did Paul say in the book of Romans? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, our mind, renewing our mind, and only through the word of God. Going on in Philippians, continuing on in chapter 4, verse 9. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul was a great example to the believers in Philippi and how he lived his life. Even after being beaten and jailed, he remained faithful, praising God and encouraging others. Paul was actually writing this letter from prison in Rome. Here he was in prison and he was still encouraging others to trust in the Lord and have their confidence in him. Going on to verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Here Paul's acknowledging that the church had delivered support to him numerous times. And even though he had not received it at different times because they couldn't get it to him, 
But he knew their attitude of heart was to support and to give to him. And later we see that they did get that support and it did come to him. Going on to verses 11 and 12, Paul now speaks about the secret of contentment and how we can be content in our lives. Verses 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things they have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. This is such an important passage, a verse talking about contempt. I think if we look around the world today, many people are really not content with their lives. But why? And I think it's because of what they look at in terms of what contentment means. Because for many people, contentment means I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay, but remember, happiness really can be changed in a moment's moment. It depends on happiness. Joy, peace comes from Jesus and trusting in the Lord. But as we look at contentment, we have to ask ourselves, are we content? And if we are not content, why are we not content? But look what Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, I have learned. Contentment is something we need to learn. It's something that requires a commitment of the will. And it requires what? A change in attitude. Because you can look around at your circumstances and you can say, well, I'm not content because why? I don't have this or I want that or this happened to me. But what? What did God say? We should be content with what? The things of what? That he provides in terms of peace, joy, love. Those are the fruits of the spirit that really make us content. So we need to change our attitude. But also, Paul encourages when he was speaking to Timothy in First Timothy, chapter six, verses six through eight. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certainly we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with all with these, we shall be content. Paul was encouraging Timothy here, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. So contentment cannot come with things. You're not going to be, you know, content because you'll always want something else. But remember, you can't take it with you. They're all saying you can't take it with you. But having food and clothing, well, these should be content. Remember, God meets our needs, not our wants. God meets our needs, and he knows what we need. So let's remember contentment comes really from changing our attitudes and really what is important and what God has provided for us. Going on to verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, this verse is quoted so often. It was quoted to me as I was growing up, often by my mother, everything that I did. She said, remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Unfortunately, many times I took that the wrong way and I would be in a difficult situation. And I remember once, if I may share personally, I was in Little League and I was coming up to bat and everyone was screaming at me. The bases were loaded and they're saying, remember, Ray, you can do it. You can do it. And I thought about what my mom said. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm not sure God was going to give me a home run at that time. And maybe some of us might have the wrong interpretation of this verse. 
that it gives you superpowers or that it may give you something at one given moment will let you to overcome. It really is a verse that was intended to suggest that God, Christ, will give us the confidence to see us through all things, to see us through all things. So if I use that same example, maybe I wasn't going to hit a home run that morning, but whatever would happen, God would see me through it. Whether I hit, whether I struck out, God would see me through that. And I think that's the importance that Paul was saying here, that he could be confident that God would give him the strength and the power wherever he was, whether he's in prison, whether he was beaten, whatever it may be. I like the living Bible translation of this verse. I could do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. I can do everything God asked me to with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. Paul was confident that Christ could sustain, could sustain him. We should have this same confidence. Moving on in chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound, and I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-selling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Here, Paul was commending them for their giving and support and reminding them of God's blessing for their giving. The church was giving him materially, but they were going to be blessed spiritually. Many times we think about giving and, and, and we're so blessed here. God has been faithful. You have been faithful. And God's just blessing tremendously in the ministry and, and the work here. But just know Paul was making a point here for those that give, those that support, as he had received. He counted it on their behalf. He was blessed because they were going to be blessed. He didn't care so much that he was receiving the things, even though it was great in his support. But he was so, on your account, I'm so happy for you. Remember, we can't store up our treasures here on earth. We can't take them with us. But we're also storing up an account as we are faithful, as we give, as we support, God keeps it to our account. So we may have a low bank account here, but we have a great account in heaven. And these are the things that are important. Going on to verse 19 in chapter 4. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This verse is often quoted many times as we talk about God and supplying our needs according to his riches. And many people may take this verse out of context or use it uh, in a wrong way, saying that God's going to provide everything. God's you know, going to give you this, going to give you that. But remember what it says, your need, the emphasis on need. Remember, God promises to meet all our needs. I like the way one person said, it said need, not greed. Okay, he's not going to meet all your greeds. He's going to meet all your needs. So we need to remember that God's to supply our needs, and he knows best what we need. 
I know if you're like me, I've prayed for many things over the years, and I thought, I really need this. This will really be good for me. This will help me. This will allow me to do things, God. But God said, no. God said, no, this is, and he knew that this would not be good for me. And later, as I look back, he says, you know, Lord, you're right. This was not a good thing for me. This would not have helped me. This would not help me grow in my life. It wouldn't help me to be better and to know you more. So God knows our needs and will provide for our needs. But what we do need to come and ask and thank him uh, for these things. I like what Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, once said. When God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will not lack for God's supply. Think about that. When God's work is done in God's way, for God's glory, it will not for, lack for God's supply. We need to do what? For God's glory and in God's way. And then we know oh, we'll be blessed. Finishing up in Philippians chapter 4, verses 20 through 23, Paul brings to conclusion here the book of Philippians. Verse 20, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, giving glory to God always and forever and ever. In verse 21, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. God, um, Paul closes here by again reminding many times to greet each other what, in the Lord and brethren to be together and all the saints but especially, he says, those are of Caesar's household. He was referring specifically to a group of believers who were servants in Caesar's household, that they would be especially mindful of them and that they would, again, greet them and encourage them. And then closing with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So in conclusion and summary, looking at this book of Philippians and chapter 4, we know there are really three things that we need to keep in mind. As the commentator Warren Worsby saying, we need to have the right, what? Praying. We need to have the right thinking. We need to have the right living. So as we go through our lives each day, praying, seek to commune with God on a daily basis. I remember talking with God as your father. Make sure that you also listen because it's not a monologue where you're just talking at God, but it should be what? A dialogue where you're also receiving from the Lord. Listen and hear his voice. Focus on the things of God. Focus on those things that are what? Of good repute, of virtue. Make sure that you're focusing on God and his promises and the things that he is going to do in life. And then lastly, and most importantly, right living. Remember Practice those things. And we only can practice those things when we're what? Reading His Word. Reading His Word and praying. Remember, we have a firm foundation in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than what, that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our rock. He is our salvation. In Him do we trust. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning again, Lord, to thank you for your word, Lord, to thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. Lord, we pray, we lift up this morning, Lord, we pray that as your word has gone forth and that it's touched hearts, Lord, that minds will be changed and lives will be changed, Lord. 
And Lord, we pray for those that may be out there and listening, Father, that all of this just seemed foreign to them, Lord, that they didn't understand, but Lord, they need to come to the saving grace of knowing you as Lord and Savior, Father. I pray for those who may not have come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, Lord. And Lord, we ask right now that if there's anybody out there, Lord, that has not come and become a Christian, Lord, and ask for forgiveness, Lord, that they come this morning, Lord, and they ask you through the sinner's prayer to just come to that knowledge of knowing you as personal or Lord and Savior. And as we close this morning, if you haven't made that decision for Christ, please, we ask that you consider what Christ has done for you. And that if you're living a life that's maybe not content, that you living a life that maybe doesn't have that peace, that you consider trusting Christ, making that commitment this morning. It's as simple as saying, Lord, please forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Cleanse me for all of my sins and unrighteousness. I want to accept you as Lord and Savior. Cleanse me, Lord. Help me to live for you by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill me each day, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for taking care of me, Lord. That is the sinner's prayer. If you pray those things, Lord, find a church, get in tune, read the Bible, and get together with other believers. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your work. We thank you for being with us here this morning and making things all work together, Lord, that they might just come together for your glory, Father. And we thank you for the people here that are working behind the scenes, Lord, that are making things work and making the technology, Lord. We thank you for their service and their commitment, Father. Lord, I pray again for the body, Lord. Many needs, Lord, many hurting, Father, many sick, Lord. Lord, those that are dealing with cancer, Father, we pray for them this morning, Lord. We pray for their loved ones, Father. We pray that you just give them the peace that only you can give, Lord. And we pray for healing, Lord. We pray that you touch their bodies, Lord, and that you just make them new, Father. We pray for those that are struggling, Lord, in whatever way they may be struggling, Lord whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whether it be with just basic needs, Lord. We pray that you meet those needs this morning, Father. We pray, Lord, that we might just be a people, Lord, seeking after you and encouraging each other, Lord, and lifting each other, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you and to thank you and to praise you, Father. We give you all the glory this morning, and we just thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you.